DCI 2022 has finally wrapped up. First full season in like three years, and it was an exciting finish. Not going to lie. Yeah, I think it was exciting because there were so many close races and things that shifted around. Um, definitely different than what we expected in not only just like captions, but I think probably some overall placements as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was entertaining for sure. Yeah, I know I know you couldn't make it to finals uh, due to a trip that conflicted with it, but I was able to go Saturday. Um, I was there for like five hours in the lot, pretty much, and posted a couple shorts on YouTube. Saw a bunch of people, watched probably five or six groups, but. Yeah, before we before we get into that, let's go ahead and intro this thing, and then we'll get into how our predictions turned out and all that good stuff. So, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me as always is... Evan Worrell. And make sure you head over to LoneStarPercussion.com. Use the discount code AGEDOUT. Save yourself $10 on any order of $50 or more. Uh, I know we're in the swing of marching band, drum corps wrapped up. Everyone's probably going to need some kind of gear, so head over there. They'll hook you up. Uh, check out Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there. Head over to YouTube if you're not listening to this there check out the reaction videos all the other content we post clips from the podcast um all that good stuff we just posted some really awesome high quality audio recordings shout out to jared thomas hooked us up with those from uh, semis and finals day uh, i think we've done like blue coats boston cavies vanguard is going to go up tomorrow uh that's august 20th so by the time this comes out it'll already be out but yeah head over there subscribe follow instagram facebook uh i think i hit it all i think that's it right that's it all right, cool. I So the rundown, pretty much, the plan, this shouldn't be a super long one to wrap up the season with a final thoughts podcast. Uh, I think we talked beforehand, so just to let you know what's coming throughout this thing, we're going to go back over our predictions and how those turned out uh, with the drum averages from the three nights, percussion average, rather. And then we're going to get into just kind of our thoughts on the last week. From what we watched, Evan watched a lot of the streams. I watched the semi-stream. I was in the lot, like I said, for like five hours. So we'll recap that, kind of give our thoughts about what we saw, why we think things may have shook out the way they did. And then lastly, we have some, as Evan put it in a text to a friend of ours recently, he he or we are at war with the judging changes that happened like three or four years ago to the drum judge not being allowed on the field. But yeah, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into all that stuff. So... How how things turn out? I'll let you take it and yeah. So I was able to stuff. watch uh, able to watch the stream for both prelims and for finals or semifinals. I didn't catch finals, but overall, we got some things close. <laughs> I don't think we really nailed a lot of the actual uh, percussion placements, but we both had Boston in first, which obviously Bluecoats ended up winning. Uh, we both did have Bluecoats over BD, which did turn out to be accurate. So that was, we didn't have them in first by any means, but I'll get into that. I think that's accurate in my opinion. Um, we'll get into that a little bit too. We both had SCV in second, which they finished third. And then we both kind of had that um, Blue Devils in fourth, which ultimately finished uh, second behind Bluecoats. The averages were real close. I posted what the overall averages were. I think Bluecoats ended up edging out BD by like point zero one on the three nine average. I knew they were uh, close, so but didn't really know it was that close, close. <laughs> really really close. And then Vanguard wasn't very far behind that, but then there was a pretty uh, not sizable gap, but distinguishable gap between third to fourth where Boston was. Um, and talk a little bit about that in a second. 
Crown and Cavaliers. We both had Crown in fifth and Cavaliers in sixth, which ultimately ended up flip-flopping. Cavaliers averaged a little bit higher than them uh, on the three nights. Cadets in seventh, we both said that. That's where they ended up. Uh, I had Blue Stars in eighth, which was right. You had Troopers, and Troopers ended up just a little bit lower there in the 10 spot. Phantom ended up ninth, which I got pretty pretty grossly wrong. Um, you had them in 10th, so you were just like one spot I, off. After I saw it, I told you, man, I just had a feeling. It's Phantom. I'd watched the, like, I watched, I told you before we started recording, I watched the semifinals high cam, and I just, it's a lot of the stuff popped. Like, yeah. they were solid. Like, they were definitely, I just had a feeling when we did that predictions podcast, especially after seeing, seeing them a little bit in Atlanta. Um, and then it was kind of reinforced when we did the reaction video to them. I was like, yeah, they're they're probably going to be that 10, 11, maybe even 9, where they ended up at 9th. Uh, it made sense to me. Yeah, and they're in the 11 spot or 10 spot area. Crossman or Colts, Troopers finished 10th. I had Mandarins there. Um, you had Mandarins 11th. In reality, they ended up in the 12th spot, so not very far off there. Nope. I had Colts 12th. They were ultimately 11th. You had them 13th, so just a couple spots. Uh, BK, you had 14th, and that's where they finished. I had them 13th, right above Phantom. Uh, Scouts were 15th. We both had Music City in 15th, and they popped up above them. Um, And then the rest of it pretty much shook out kind of as is. Academy, 17th. uh, Then, like, Pacific Crest, Genesis, Jersey Surf. So not not far off on the bottom end. the middle, which is what we said when we were making the predictions, it's the toughest kinda, part. <laughs> kind of where we we got lost in the sauce. It is um, so eight, hard. Eight to fourteen range, really was just pretty brutal. Uh, then my overall placements, I was pretty close overall. Uh, I had Boston winning, which they tied for second. I don't think I was really more than one spot off on anyone except for the Cavaliers. I had them in. Sixth, and they were ninth, so they were three spots down. Ooh, I didn't know they finished um, that low. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the overall finishes too closely. Ad- admittedly, their their GE and I think it was the visual captions really kind of tanked them. Um, they were in like tenth in a couple of those because the battery finished like fifth overall, and they were fifth on finals night. I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe Crown was ahead of them on finals. I don't know. I have to go back and look at the again those drums. We did the averages of. The three nights, or if they only made it two, we averaged two. Yeah, yeah. And so all that was pretty, pretty fairly close. Now, I guess I will say, like some people are saying, like, oh, you guys were like gassing up uh, Boston all year, and it's like, you know what? We were, we did gas Boston up all year, yeah. but I feel like it was justifiable. We, um, go we're ahead. gonna get into that um, once we're done with these predictions. I had I talked to Joe Woody and Tom Gasparini in the lot. Blue Coats finals lot for a little bit, and they kind of like ribbed me a little, a little for like hype in Boston all summer. And I was just like, well, they're they were really, really good, and I still stand by. They were probably the best drumline up until finals week. And I know, again, we know front ensembles are a massive point, which is also something else we're going to get into later yeah. in when we break down judging. But um, yeah, I mean, we hyped them all season, and. I mean, so okay. Before we we, we weren't the only ones that hyped no. Them all everybody, everyone was freaking out because it was worth freaking out over with how good they came out of the gate, and then good they were like by Atlanta and Allentown, and but again, let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
Is there anything here that we just went over how wrong or right we got this stuff or you got the overall placements? And like you said, the the A through 14, crapshoot, good luck. I mean, they're all so close together. And, and honestly, to looking at the top four of how things shook out, like basically we just had one and two and three and four. Like the battles were still the same. Vanguard, Boston, Bluecoats, BD, but that was flipped. Bluecoats and BD in one and two, Vanguard and Boston in, in three and four. And we said Bluecoats were going to beat BD. That happened. And then we said Boston was going to be, be ahead of Vanguard. That did not happen across the three nights. And and so I guess this kind of leads perfectly into the discussion of finals week and, and why we think from what we saw and heard talking to people with our own eyes and ears, why this might've shook out this way. In my opinion, those top four groups were, are very close. And you said the recap kind of, yeah, I mean the averages for those top four, like Boston in fourth with a average of 19.33 and blue coats at the top with an average of 19.61. So you're talking less than 0.3 separation. Yeah. Between you're those four ensembles. So, um, the way that I look at those four drum lines and having, I got to see, and I think Vanguard won semifinals. Did they? I, th- I thought BD sure. won the first two. Uh, no, Vanguard. I'm looking at it right now. So BD won prelims, Vanguard won semis, and oh. Bluecoats won. Uh, the the thing that averaged out is where Vanguard was third in semis and BD was, or Vanguard was third in prelims. Yeah, and BD was third in semis and blue coats held two two those first two nights the second spot second spot and so then the average when they won finals night um put them just ever so slightly vanguard had a they were at a 19.55 so point one one or point one yeah so close so close i mean so i love to hear that within those top four groups that they were flip-flopping and i also love to see that i think Crown and Cavi is flip-flopped throughout the three nights, right? In percussion as well? Is that the case? Yeah, it was Crown on top in quarters, Cavi's on top in semis, Crown on uh, top in finals, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so I love listening to the Listening to the prelims tape, I think Cavaliers probably should have beat them at prelims too. Well, that's a whole different story. But where I'm going with this is, excuse me, where I'm going with this is I love to see the fact that those top six groups flip-flopped because that tells you the judges are evaluating. There's no slotting going on. They're evaluating the performance that night. And that's how you can end up with all that. Cavies are ahead of crown here. Vanguard won the second night. BD won the first night. Bluecoats won the third. And that's the way it should be. So I think that, in terms of how the system is functioning, is right. But at the same time, you're splitting hairs, which makes it even more exciting. We were like biting our nails waiting for the recaps to come out uh, yeah. every night we're like what's going to happen who what happened here like it was it was wild and i so i guess the next question would be or the f- uh, first next whatever do you think blue coats deserve to win i mean i i haven't heard all the tapes for all the groups i have heard two of blue coats tapes and one of boston's tapes um and then i did hear bd Van- I've heard a tape of the weekend from the top seven groups that finished. Uh, okay. Whether it was prelims, semis, or finals, I've heard two of Blue Coats. 
and they're all really good. Um, every single one of them, they're getting called for ticks, like multiple ticks. Uh, but I, I do think Boston had a couple of egregious ones that ultimately sealed their fate just night one from making it a really big challenge for them to win the Fred Sanford. Yeah. Um, and then there were some groups that had some pretty pretty stellar front ensembles ahead of them. Not to say that Boston's wasn't good. Like I said, they were still <laughs> extremely close. But just when you're splitting those hairs, there's going to be some calls that have to be made where you just got to go with what you heard. And there were some ticks in Boston and the battery solo and night one. And I heard some people say that there was probably some similar issues in night two that just made it hard for them to try to bounce back from. Uh, and when you have other groups around you that are not, they are ticking, but not making a blow up mistake like that. I mean, it's pretty much going to, it's going to, tell itself the show is going to unfold the way it unfolds yep when you're judging the show of the night and the top four are that close together it's just comes down to who who is more consistent which so i guess i think I blue coats the, were very clearly the most consistent group all weekend i mean i would say two, all two, summer two, honestly all, well yeah i mean they're right there so let's get into that yeah people are like oh you're guessing up uh boston it's like okay so blue coats did win the first show of the year over Boston in Detroit in June. But then after that, they finished fourth at Broken Arrow. These are percussion finishes. Fourth at Denton behind SCV Boston and Cadets. Fourth at San Antonio behind SCV Boston and BD. They did win the Murfreesboro show, which was Osdemore, who had them first at finals, so he was a fan. But then they finished fourth at ATL, second at the Salem show, but SCV did not perform there. Third in Allentown. Uh, they finished second behind Boston on August 3rd. And then they just, they won three shows all year. Two of them were Osdemore shows, and the other one was the first show. Uh, I say one, two, like when all the groups were there, like the big groups. So it's yeah. not like we were alone in predicting them in like the three, four range. That's pretty much how they were finishing all year up until final sweep. Yeah, and so what got me thinking a lot about this, and I think the Blue Coats deserve to win, similar for along the line of th thinking of what you just said of consistency. So I, I mentioned the, earlier on in the podcast that I, I talked to Joe Woody and Tom Gasparini. Joe taught there this summer some. Tom used to teach at Blue Coats. I marched with both of them, alumni, and they kind of like were giving me a little bit of just like friendly joking about like, You've been hyping Boston all summer. What about these guys? And I was like, dude, we we said blue coats were good from the get go, and I really, it really. So I told we have we have. You can go back and watch the first reaction video. We said they were good, and every time anyone brought it up to me, I pretty much was like, yeah, they're gonna be up there at the end. They're gonna be in that top three, four range, and it's kind of what sure. happened. And and so it, but that conversation with them really got me thinking about how even going into finals week. It never crossed my mind once that Blue Coats might win. I mean, we can pull up chat group conversations with people Evan and I have where we're like talking about who might win and like they're just never mentioned. And it really it got me looking at how that happened. And you said it earlier a few minutes ago, everybody was just Boston sound quality when it was locked in was just, gen it's just, it still was incredible finals week. They just I would had some still tick say issues and. I would still say that watching them at the Atlanta Regional is one of the best drum lines I've ever seen live yeah. in the lot. Like that lot right there was 
phenomenal. And from the Allentown videos I saw, they were phenomenal in Allentown as well. And so it got me thinking about it and how I missed it. Well, there were three really, I came to the conclusion there were like three major storylines following the percussion competition at the top of the world class. You had how good is BD going to actually be able to get by the end with how rough they kind of came out of spring training. And they always come out rough every year from a playing standpoint, but this year seemed was kind of rougher than normal after the two summers off. Um, is Rennet going to win his fifth title? Because they came out and they were winning shows and they were really clean out of the gate. And then, holy crap, Boston's phenomenal. Have you heard the sound quality they play with? And like the density of notes and the velocity and just aggression. Like those were the three storylines. And Bluecoats were always up there and... I acknowledged, and you acknowledged throughout the season, they were very good. But those other three storylines, I guess, were more interesting to think about and were more intriguing to follow. It seems odd, though, even though Bluecoats have never won, you'd think they'd be like, oh, well, they get their first one. But everybody was kind of like thinking, will Boston get their first Fred Sanford? Uh, Will BD creep up at the end like they always do? Will Vanguard get the fifth in a row? Because I don't think anyone's ever done five in a row. Um, uh, I think I know that BD did four in a row when uh, I guess Tom Float was there. Maybe Fred Sanford got five in a row. I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, well, you had those three storylines, and I think rightfully those were the three big storylines about who's going to win overall at the end. But it all comes back to that concept of peaking at the right time. What Blue Devils do so well, they pace the summer and they get it to where you're not really ever able to think about having to maintain the level of excellence because they make the peak and they pace it to have you peak finals week, those last three nights. So you don't really have time as a performer to psychologically analyze and freak out about, holy crap, we're really good. We have to maintain this level of good for two more weeks, you know? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, and no so one's ever gotten five. So. It, it plays the mental game and Blue Devils do it really well. And I would argue... Bluecoats were right there under the surface, right below those three main storylines. And as the season came to an end, you know, I think Boston peaked like Allentown. I think they peaked like a week and change early. And so there could have been maybe more of that thinking about we have we might win. Holy crap. We're already phenomenal. Now we have to just continue to do this for another week or week or so. And then I think Blue Devils I don't think BD ever got as good as they normally do. I think they were still the they most de- and improved. And they definitely watered some very and very wisely so watered. Boston things. watered finals week, dude. Yeah. I Go mean, listen to the Boston book from Atlanta and listen to it at finals week. They watered which is too. Interesting, which is interesting to think about from a content standpoint. I didn't think about it beforehand, but it's like, oh, you were scoring well in this content, but then you did change things to make it easier. Uh, in certain sections and even the judges on tapes were noting like oh uh very good what was the phrase um or i don't want to say edits but maybe it was something like that like wise decisions made and some of the edits that were created like they gave them more success from a consistency standpoint for sure yeah Um, but but you did note that you made it easier so now it's kind of interesting (laughs) i think all those those three three groups bd couldn't reach their peak they normally reach reach Maybe due to mature, not maturity, but like just it's having two summers off, less, less experience, less less experience within the Blue Devils system. Right. And then I think Boston peaked a little early, and then I think Vanguard also peaked early. Van because 
So I just don't think Vanguard ever quite achieved what they normally do. They they felt more vulnerable all season than the juggernaut that they usually are. That's um, fair. Two summers off. Same thing they, as Blue Devils, I mean, man. They were, and we say all this too. Just I mean, it was still really, really good. All I mean, three, all four were incredible. Cavies were then, great. Crown was Cavies, great. Like yeah. The cadets quietly just like creeping up there and having a really good ensemble. Too. Dude, <laughs> like, I watched cadets in the lot finals day. It was really good. Like I was like, this is, this is really good. Like, right, good for them. So it was very fun to watch them live. But, and then I so I to continue to finish that point out. Those three that were beating blue coats a lot all season, kind of petered off or never quite reached the mountaintop. Whether it was Vanguard BD or Boston kind of peaking early. And then Bluecoats gave it that extra like 10% into finals week. And it worked out to where they were rising and achieving their peak as other groups were either falling short or falling off. Whether right. it was and mental, psycho- psychological. Um, and definitely the most consistent. And so that's where I go with that consistency. They were good all year. Good all year. And you saw flip-flopping. They beat a few groups at one show. They weren't beating previously, even if they didn't win the show. Depending they were just on hanging how well in that, there. Just right there. Right yeah. under the surface of the water. Other groups petered off, and they just stayed right there and then went up 10%. That, fin- that Their finals lot was great, man. Like I was sitting right in front of it, uh, right next to Jared Thomas. It was... Was that the recording uh, that you posted from Finals Lot? Yes. That, so yeah, it's really good. I, the drum set rep and the non drum set, set rep. The non drum yeah. set rep was their last standstill rep before they went to the show, and that that honestly the non drum so set rep. It's so good to digest the the show like that. Just it's it's raw form. Yeah, like I actually kind of like listening to stuff like that without the video because then you're really just listening to the achievement and the quality, and you're not distracted by things visually it, it allows your ears to open up or forces them to to fully digest and enjoy it but yeah they were they were great and, and i say that and to piggyback on something you said earlier about even on all those groups tapes all those top groups tons of ticks being called oh yeah we had a lot of uh, so i don't think any group got to the level this summer in terms of ticklessness or almost ticklessness that groups have five years ago four years ago the last few seasons before covid there was no clear there was no clear winner and i know my ears heard ticks everywhere like i think boston coats vanguard like and and maybe that is understandable because you have a lot of people that haven't done a full tour for two seasons so you probably have a lot more less experienced players in the line or they're still knocking the dust off to be able to go for a 90-day season and really achieve. So, I think there's two factors. That one that you just said about just less people who've done it. And when you march multiple years, you just get more and more consistent. I mean, it's yep. just it's the way it is. It was and, and little second, ticks everywhere. Second factor, I do think that there were groups doing things to try to really push the envelope. Like I think Boston's battery pushed the envelope of what people thought – you can write and the members can achieve um, yep. from a content standpoint. I mean, it was really hard. I mean, Colin mm-hmm. sent us the music, and some of it changed a little bit, but it was very, very difficult. Uh, and there's difficulty <laughs> that you see on the page that you're probably not going to pick up on, like minor rhythmic right. switches, hand speed changes that are very close, 
or like you just look at it written down and you go wow and then i think like like vanguard with the long roll they did that started at the gut edge and like the zone changes and the push in and push out like that stuff's hard they didn't quite nail it but it is those are things that you didn't really see before. Like, oh, this is new. This is fresh. I That's a new moment. Um, there are things that BD always does that, from an intricacy standpoint, from battery base to tenor to snares, it's always just very difficult to align. Uh, Blue Coats do, did things this summer. They played probably as much or more than anyone yeah. uh, from a con- straight just content standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, there's just a lot of groups doing things. You're like, man that they're really trying to do something new or push the envelope in a different way or be innovative. So I think that those two things, uh, yeah. being innovative and then just less experience uh, as an aggregate uh, definitely created more ticks than maybe what we would hear in a normal year. Yeah, and I think I think that will lead to, I think next season, I predict, will be another dogfight of a season among the it, top groups. Yeah, somebody told me that Boston's drumline is really actually pretty young. I was like, okay. There's a couple 18-year-olds in the snare line. Yeah. So I, think I know the, the girl. I think that one girl, uh, Giovanna, three has summers. Like three years left or something. I think good she, I God. saw her post. I was like, wow. That's a lot yeah. of band. So uh, Boston's going to be good. BD's going to be good like they always are. Blue Coats will be up there. Vanguard will be up there. Cavies are on the up. Crown's on the up. Like Cadets had a good season. And I really love what Blue Stars did this summer. Yes. Um, so very much so. I'm a fan of what that drumline did and to see what they do next year, especially as an alum. So it's it's exciting. Uh, but yeah, like it was surprising though, because you watched the quarterfinals stream. I watched the semis. I think you watched some of the semis as well. Yeah. And, but after quarters night, wasn't Dean Hickman in the quarters lot? Uh, semifinals. Semis. Whatever it was, we were hearing reports that everybody was ticking all over the place. Right. Quarters night. And that just goes along with that same storyline. And we're not saying they were ticking their balls off or anything. like, But just little stuff flying, more common than you would hear in a usual year in those top three or four or five drum lines. So right. yeah. it, it's, it was just cool. Just inter- interesting stuff to talk about. Um, do you I want think, to... Go ahead. I think to segue into the next thing you saw a lot of probably visceral reactions online, especially after quarterfinals when the first oh, recap yeah. posted and Boston's in fourth in listening to the, I listened to all those prelims tapes. I think I agree. I don't disagree with anything that he did. And people just like had this visceral reaction. Cause I mean, we were gassing Boston up and he's like fourth, like that's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. People don't know what they're doing. It's like, no, they, they do know what they're doing. Uh, and they're just trying to do the absolute best job that they can for the members it's not like they're making crazy money judging so they're just trying to do their job for the cores and the members but they have an incredibly tough job to do and i don't disagree with any of the placements that ended up averaging out i feel like they nailed it but having said that i do hate the system the way it's set up because it really handicaps and handcuffs the judges when you can't get to the sideline. And I'm not saying that I don't agree with the scores or the placements, just throwing that out there. But it does make me wonder the validity or like how much I can trust just the entire package. Because those drum lines are really probably getting sampled 25 
to maybe 30% of the show, probably less. I would say less. Uh, I would say 25% on the high side. For yeah. what they can really, like, hear, what the judges can really hear, like, there's unobstructed access to the drum line where there's no horn lines in between. Because if the trumpets or mellows or baritones are in between you and the drum line, forget about it. You're not going to read the clarity. You're just not. Um, and if the battery is further back than the front hash, you're just really not going to read the clarity. Uh, you can read the intent or you can read what they're doing, but the achievement of it is just not accessible. Um, so that I think that that's really a detriment to what is happening. And the front ensemble reads are fantastic. It's oh, great. Yeah. They deserve every bit of it. I feel like front ensemble is severely carrying a lot of the achievement <laughs> that's going on um, just as far as, as the scores are related. That's just going to be how it is. I mean, I would say, <laughs> honestly, like in an ideal world, like obviously front to back connection between the front and the battery is an integral part of a solid percussion section about the execution, you know, all that stuff. You would want the drum score to be ha like split evenly in terms of crediting front battery, like 50% of your score would be front 50% of the score would be battery, obviously a little bit of nuance for the front to back connection and intricacies of the interplay between the two and the writing and all that stuff and execution. But and it makes total I would sense say... to like split the and do too, like somebody who's more battery focused and somebody who's more front focused, because then you still get the full ensemble package from the music anal analysis judge. Because there's two, they had yep. four GE judges. One of them were usually like kind of geared towards each section, like a GE guy that's kind of a percussive guard, visual music focus. And then the music analysis guys, I think there was one on every night that was like a percussion guy, like a Glenn Fugit or a Chris Heston or a Caleb Rothy. Those are all percussion people in the music box reading the whole ensemble with a pretty percussive heavy background that can read the full percussion ensemble. So I don't understand why we can't have two percussion judges on the fields. I don't think it's a safety issue. Yeah, maybe be like, we're not trying to run in between the guard moments. Let, let's not do that, obviously. I don't think it's a distraction from the visual package. I've never once thought that <laughs> watching a show. No, Even never... when you go back as far as like the 80s when I'm watching those scout shows that I love, those 93 shows, those 96 shows, I've never been like, man, the jump judge is really bringing down the, the vibe of the show. Never once thought that. Nope. Not one time. And... I would, I would throw out there as just a blanket statement that as it stands with the system not allowing the judges on the field, your drum score is probably 75, maybe 80% front ensemble. How good your front is right now. And can your battery nail one and a half to two minutes of music when the judge could actually be in front of them when the designers brought them to the front of the field? And the rest of the time, it really just feels like they're crediting design, yep. not achievement which I think is sucks. I think we should be rewarding the members on what they're doing, not... I mean, design is already built into every single caption uh, with your content, your repertoire, what you're asking them to do. You have that left side of the box that's already built in for the designers in every caption, but that achievement box, especially for the drumline, I feel like it's just kind of going by the wayside to where these designers... And I don't know, I don't sit and critique... But they're going in and they're just arguing 
about what they're doing, not how they're doing it. Yeah. And to illustrate this point of... And that's the more subjective part when you start arguing what. It's like, clean is clean. Clean lives forever. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can stand in front of a drum line with the right training and be like, yep, good for you. That was perfect. And or, then if you're arguing what we're doing versus what somebody else is doing, that's way more subjective. And oh, yeah. You, so you can say it's better, but I disagree. <laughs> oh, yeah. But so to continue on this in this vein, I watch semis, as I've said a few times on this podcast, semis, high cam view of, I think, the last eight groups from Cavaliers onward. And I did a little experiment. I watched the high cam for a reason. And... I basically glued my eyes to Mike Leitsky. So I wanted to, and I had a stopwatch pulled up on my phone, and I recorded this, and I basically wanted to record the amount of time that I felt watching where he was in relation to the drumline, he could actually effectively read clarity up close and personal and and really credit a member or discredit um, for ticks or whatever. However, you want to do, however they do it. It's a build-up system in WGI. I'm assuming it might be the same in DCI. They don't take points away. But the numbers were not promising. So, and I was, I was even generous for some of this, where I was like, okay, they're on the front hash. There's no wins in between him, and he's behind the pit. It's, not, it's probably readable from there. And to his credit, there were many... Before I go over these times and lay them out there, there were many times where he still stayed behind the front to try. So Leitsky was trying to read them more, but looking at the field, oh, you have 10 trumpets blaring in your face in front of you. You're not reading what the battery's doing or not at an effective level to effectively split hairs between these top groups in terms yeah. of achievement. So there was, I, I did a screen capture before you say that of uh, Jeff Brooks. It was, prelims day oh yeah I remember and this. i saw him it was during bd show there was an opening where they were just kind of over on side two in a diagonal and he goes to run out there to like get to sample them and then he stops and he looks around and he's like oh i'm i'm way more than six feet off off the sideline because that's the rule you can't you're not supposed to go yeah. six feet so so and, and he just stopped himself and i was like dang you could tell he want, just wanted to get out and there there were a bunch of times Lysky's standing on the sideline not in front of the pit but either behind the pit or off to the side like trying to read the battery but it's like bro they're almost on the back hash like you're not you're not going to catch the little achievement right. the little achievement so give us the number give us so the here numbers we go there. uh cavies two minutes and 50 seconds of their entire program i felt like he could legitimately read what the battery was doing blue stars a minute and 28 seconds. Oof, rough staging for the battery. Cadets, two minutes and six seconds. Vanguard, two minutes and 27 seconds. Crown had the highest number, three minutes and 14 seconds. Bluecoats, a minute 59. Boston, 215. And Blue Devils, a minute 53. And, and most of those moments chalked up to when the designers brought them to the front of the field and put them right in front of him, basically. And obviously, that's not a perfect system. So somebody, no, it's, it's not scientific. It's, We're not, but it, it's just it's interesting. Even and if you actually, add thirty seconds to every time, it's still bad. Yeah, and when I listened to BD's tape uh, from one of the judges, I actually thought that there was less time that he could sample the battery. It was like close to like a minute thirty. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm sure his ears can pick up better than the recording, but those recordings are pretty legit um, with the quality. But still, like. 
you just you just can't hear the battery ever in the front absolutely deserves their flowers they deserve all the love they get i'm just saying that we probably tilted the scale from more battery heavy reads to like now it's battery non-existent reads to where we solved one problem by creating another yep instead of just solving both problems from a drumline <laughs> standpoint the designers have to do a good job designing writing the right stuff to get the credit and the members have to be perfect for a minute and a half and i and i've heard that it's i believe a rules committee or rules congress year where they can propose rules and vote new things and the cores are the ones that create the symbol the the system the judges don't create it dci yep. doesn't create it the cores i don't know who it is if it's the core director or whoever but they get in a room and they hash out like hey we want to propose this rule change and then they vote on it to change it i'm just hoping that they at least adjust it like give them a little bit more freedom to where these judges aren't handcuffed to the sideline it's like yeah we don't really want you out the whole time on the field but if there's a moment where bd's over here and you can get out there and not get in the way like just get out there and sample it and then get back you don't have to like maybe follow them all the way around the field. Maybe that's at least a little bit of a change that they can do uh, without going full tilt. But I-, I do wish that it would just go back to somebody who can actually get out there <laughs> and sample or, more of it. Or you have freaking two judges at all the well, regionals yeah. and finals nights. It's like nine shows, isn't it? You counted it. It'd be like nine extra seven. judges, eight extra be, seven. Okay. And Well, the Southeast Regional isn't really a true regional. If they did that, that it would be seven. Just do seven. Um, do the damn Southeast Regional. It's So not all the cores go to Southeast, but they kind of split it in two nights this year with Southeast and Winston. But even if you count that, it's eight judges. You got, Look. You got San Antonio, then you have Southeast, let's say two nights. And then you have Allentown for two nights, so that's five. And then you got prelims, semis, finals. That's eight judges. Yeah, like have so. a have a have a person that is a battery judge and someone that is a front judge that literally is in front of the front the whole time, and have a battery guy that can run around and follow him around as much as he can safely. Yeah. Um, and then you just have each score added together divided by two. They still assign a score out of 20 with the content and achievement boxes. You add them together and divide it by two. That's like what 2015 was. You had six judges for all three nights, and their average, it it takes the weight of one person away. And you actually get, and I'm not saying that the guys they have judging, guys and girls they have judging, don't have the knowledge to judge both pit and battery. They do. They're just just being torn between two They're not allowed to. So why not let someone that is a primarily front ensemble expert evaluate the front let a battery expert evaluate the battery, average the two scores out of 20, there's your drum score. It wouldn't cost DCI that much more money. The designers can get over themselves about kid judges being on the field. Yeah. If anything, it probably is more safe. They're so, picking up debris. <laughs> and the, if, you have a, if you have a battery-focused judge from a safety standpoint, they don't have to worry about like running back through the field to get back to the front to sample that and run back through the horn line or guard moments, they can kind of pit, they say, hey, the battery's going integrating here with the core. Let me run out to the side so I don't have to run through stuff to try to get back to the front. So yeah. there's, it's it's just mind-blowing to me. But I, after all that being said, kind of the whole judging discussion thing, despite I, me timing, give or take 30 seconds, probably more give 30 seconds, two minutes of blue coat drumline evaluation – 
there is a semifinals run. I still stand by. I think Bluecoat should have won because they actually did play well on the field, even when it wasn't readable. Because go watch. It's on YouTube. They have a semifinals day think, full uh, run through on the field. Where like Robert a tech. That? Uh, I think it's Robert. Uh, R base 311, Robert Martinez. I think it's his video where I think one of the techs has his phone or Camera. something. Yeah, They do a video like that every year. run. It was a great run, and I was like, wow, they're the real deal on the field. It's not like they're just cleaning two minutes and then letting everything else be how it is. And they so, moved a lot. And they, dude, they're, I said the same thing. Their drill was freaking hard. They were <laughs> they running around. More. They moved more than some other teams. A lot more. And they were actually playing some stuff while they're yeah. running around. So kudos to them. I think they fully deserved it, um, despite potentially not being able to be evaluated the right way from a drumline standpoint due to the system. But... Yeah, that's all I got. Um, We've been ranting. It's yeah, I we guess could go fin- forever. To wrap up, it was really cool just overall seeing some groups make uh, finals again. Troopers, Colts, shout out to them getting back into finals, the top twelve. Um, and it was just a great year to have DCI back and and compete. I mean, we're jawing and stuff and ranting and raving, but it was just awesome to see the competition and really give it up for the kids in the ensembles that were out there sweating it and busting their butt. And yeah, I think it, this was. DCI needed the year to continue to to go. I mean, there's yeah. definitely things that need to be fixed, but this was a, an important year. So we've not been going super long. Before we close this, do you want to take two minutes and go over that little uh, spreadsheet thing you sent me about how groups have changed overall core finishes from 19 to 22? Just oh, take sure. a minute I'll, and go I'll over just, that. Uh, I think it's interesting. I saw... I saw a guy post this on one of the Facebook groups, uh, Trent Johnson, whoever that is, just a Facebook group I'm in. But he was talking about groups that from 2019 to 2022 who had the biggest placement change. At the top end of that was Troopers and Music City who both bumped up six spots. Uh, Colts finished five spots higher, up from 16 to 11th in 2022. Austin jumped four. Phantom jumped four. Cadets were up three. Blue Stars were up one from 8th to 7th. And then Mandarins, BD, Blue Coats, and Crown all had no change. They kept their 10 10, 1 1, 2 2, 4 4. Uh, moving down one spot, Academy, Genesis, Jersey Surf. Down two spots were both Crossman and Vanguard. Uh, Crossman fell out of finals this year. And then dropping four was the Cavaliers. Dropping five was Pacific Crest, and then dropping from seventh to 14th was Blue Knights. And then I also think Scouts were two, even though they're not on his list. They were from, or they went up from 17th to 15th. So nice. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's cool to track stuff like that. Yeah. Shout but, yeah. out Trent, Trent Johnson. Yeah. So we will we will post the results, like the little Google Sheet picture on the Instagram of like overall placements. Actual Evans predictions there. The prediction list basically so yeah. you all can see on paper so to speak how close or how right or wrong we were but i had a blast this season i think the excitement for the activity was up through the roof after the weird year last year and the off year before that and i, yeah. I i'm super excited to see how good people are uh next season despite the stuff we complained about with the judging and <laughs> i think a lot of groups were great uh i do think it was odd to reiterate that there wasn't really someone that was like a step above and like, man, they just don't tick. Like all those top six drum lines were 90 to 95 out of a hundred, like 88 to 95, something like that. 
They're all so close, so good. Um, kudos to all the members and staff for a great summer. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Looking forward to more. And, yeah, from first to seventh, 0.78 apart yep. on the average. Think about that. So, that's, how clo- that's how tough of a job the judges had this year to split hairs like that. So, Sweet. all right, let's wrap this up again to reiterate Facebook, Instagram, check, head over to Patreon. If you want to give anything financially each month, as little as a dollar is allowed. And we appreciate it. Um, probably going to be looking into some equipment over the next few months for our recording setups, but, uh, Facebook, Instagram, age out podcast, lonestarpercussion.com. Use the discount code, save yourself 10 bucks in any order, $50 or more. Uh, the discount code is aged out by the way. Uh, if you don't know, and we will see everybody in the uh, next reaction video, podcast, whatever it is. Peace.